Okay, today we are talking about um, glorifying or diminishing allegiance. I wonder what um, comes to our mind from the topic of today's um, Thrive lesson, glorifying or diminishing allegiance. Um, we've all heard this before. Let's fill in the gap. We've all heard this before. No man is an island. And a tree can't make a forest. Truth, however, the kind of people you associate with, we're filling in the gap. Will determine the standard of your island. Whether it's a beautiful island, whether it's going to be an ugly island, whether it's going to be an attractive one, you know, that we attract people to the kingdom of the Most High God, or the density of your forest. First Corinthians fifteen thirty-three. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good manners. So that's um, the bedrock of um, our tribe session today, glorifying or diminishing allegiance. Um, and I'm going to ask a question. Can you recall a time when you actually got into an unpalatable um, situation, probably because um, of the kind of people you were together with? Or converse could be the case, that you got into a glorifying situation because of the part of team that you belong to. Praise God. Is anyone willing to share? I will share one, um, and then while we're thinking, we have um, this family friends, and um, they, when, the, when it was time for the girl to go into college, in the U.S. So they were looking at a lot of schools and they were looking at Christian colleges, colleges as well. And um, so then they, one of the colleges they found, they were really impressed. And what, what, what they said impressed them about the college was that a group of students, you know, were together. And just one of them, I think it was just one or two, but there were many, several. I think it was just one or, one or two of them that were caught smoking cigarettes. You know, it's a college in the, in the U.S. It's not even a secondary school. You know, that is to tell you that a lot of good, um, whether the devil likes it or not, will come out from the U.S. and will always come out. Amen. And so, um, they caught them, the whole group together, and every single one of them was expelled. Every single one of them was expelled. And the, the parents were quite, you know, thrilled about this, that, you know, that's the kind of school I want my, my child to go to. Praise the Lord. Do you have a story of um, any similar story? It doesn't have to be the negative one. It could be the positive one. You were part of a winning team, and you know deep within you that, ah, I didn't really do this work, oh, hmm. but um, I'm just enjoying, praise God. 
Anyone? Mr. Adelaide? Praise the Lord. I'm going to be calling names tonight. Please, can you help give the mic to Mrs. Ogunwali? Thank you. Praise God. Um, the incident that comes to mind was um, almost 10 years ago. I had a friend in the university, but we grew apart after university. But I still told, I told people that she's my friend. And then we saw after a few years, and she did something that was so embarrassing to me. And I, I was just so embarrassed, like, oh, everybody will think we're the same because, I mean, I've told them that she's my friend. So I think her... Being in her company made me feel like, oh. Praise God. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Praise God. So, um, I'm sure a lot of us have... Um, okay, there's, there's a hand. Okay, thank you, Mr. Adelaide. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I think when I was in primary three or primary four, um, I never got into trouble my primary school and secondary school but it was the only time I got into trouble so we had finished school and about two set of, about three boys they were chasing one girl and they were running around and I was behind them so the girl fell, her books spilled and she kept running and they chased her and I took her books just like a good Samaritan but when people were going to be punished, I was one of the two that were punished because he found the books with me. And I said, I took it as a good Samaritan, but I mean, you know what? He didn't believe me. The other one I remembered about association was um, in our old church, um, one of the assistant pastors got into trouble. And at work, we happened to be working at the same place at that time. And he was talking to somebody. Well, before he got into trouble, he was trying to convince someone to to get something from that individual. And the next thing he said was that, oh, yeah, Jide goes to my church and I'm his pastor. So saying that, was he was able to convince the individual to get what he wanted. So, oh, well, if you can be a pastor to this guy, then you know, you're a good guy. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah, okay, so um, we have an idea of um, what we're talking about this night. So the kind of association, the kind of people you associate with go a long way. You know, there's a Japanese proverb that says, when the character of a man is not clear to you, you look at his friends. And um, we all know it's, it's popular. It's a popular saying that when somebody is, is high up and another person is down, it's easier for the person that is down to pull down the person that is high up. How many people agree? Than it is for the person that is up to pull up this person, because the person that is down is already down. There's a song that says, He that is down need fear no fall. He that is low no pride. He that is humble ever shall have got to be his guide. Oh, we all know the song. Nice. Reminds me of um, primary school. 
Discussion questions. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 to 18. Let's read. Oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you, and our hearts are open to you. Now, Paul here mentioned them and said the Corinthians. And then there was another part in the Bible said, oh, Galatians. You know, instances in places where Paul actually mentioned their names, then which means it was really emphasizing something very, very dear, you know, to his heart. So here he says, oh, dear Corinthian friends, we have spoken honestly with you and our hearts are open to you. There is no lack of love on our own part, but you have withheld your love from us. I am asking you to respond as if you were my own children. Open your heart to us. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? Okay, another version says Belia. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God said, I will live in them and walk amongst them. I will be their God. And they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. And I will welcome you. And I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Praise the Lord. Here, um, Paul wrote to them because he, he noticed if you and paid attention from verse 11 that they were developing affinity, you know, for um, false prophets, false apostles. And so he, he had to write to them to call them back to their senses. Here, now we are filling in the gap. They were developing an affinity for false prophets. And their, relation, their relationship wasn't glorifying God. Neither was it helping them spiritually. We're going to fill the table below with the um, with what we can glean from the scriptures that we just read. Now, words and opposites. We are not in um, school, I know, but uh, we are in the school of Jesus Christ. So we are doing words and opposites this evening. So according to Second Corinthians chapter 6, 11 to 18, the opposite of wickedness is righteousness. Um, CMM, can, can we have the table on the... Okay, the opposite of wickedness is righteousness. And light would be darkness. Thank you. And Belia would be Christ. Belia actually was the name of um, a particular idol. Then number four, believer would be unbeliever. Praise the Lord. Most times when we think of this particular scripture, we are thinking of marriage. But actually, it, it, this, 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 the meaning and the implication of this particular scripture transcends, you know, um, marriage, you know, and um, it goes beyond that. And uh, every aspect of our relationship, we should seek to glorify God in it. Um, there's a video that's going to explain what it means to be unequally yoked. Can we have the video, please? Yeah, man. In agricultural societies, animals are tied together using a wooden crosspiece fitting around their necks called a yoke. A yoke enables the animals to pull together 
thus gaining the full benefit from their combined strength. This is used frequently in plowing, pulling loads, and other activities. This Cambodian farmer is using oxen yoked together to plow his rice field. Notice how the oxen move slightly from side to side while they are walking. Oxen have a certain speed, rhythm, and side-to-side -side motion. The oxen can adapt to the movement of one another enough to cooperate because they're the same animal. These Indian farmers have yoked donkeys together to plow their fields. The donkeys have a different pace, rhythm, and side-to-side -side movement than do the oxen. In 2 Corinthians 6, it says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The image that Paul uses here is probably from Deuteronomy 22.10, You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. The practical reason for not yoking two different kinds of animals is that they would not work well together. An ox and a donkey move at different speeds, walk in different rhythms, and move from side to side in unique ways. The result would be an inability to cooperate likely result in conflict between the animals, perhaps damaging the valuable yoke or even injuring the animals. 2 Corinthians 6, 14-18 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, and what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Praise the Lord. I hope we, um, we've been able to understand from that particular video what it means to be unequally yoked, you know. Like, um, you, are, you have two animals yoked together, and they are two different animals. It's going to be a big problem. Because the way um, a horse works is different from the way a donkey would walk. And when the, when the horse is not tired, the donkey is tired. And, you know, they are, they are fighting, and um, there's a problem. You know, so when you yoke, when you have a farm and you yoke animals together like that, then you are setting up yourself for, um, for failure. So animals that um, don't have the same strength, the same capacity, should actually not be yoked together. And that is what God expects of us in our relationship. There's a graphic. Can I have the ap apple and the orange um, graphic? Okay, now can you imagine an apple and an orange yoked together. This is for, for, for someone like me that likes to juice. If I decide to juice this, how am I going to juice it? Because the way I'm going to juice an apple is going to be very different from the way I'm going to juice an orange. So if I juice the two together, it's going to be a big problem for me because I'm going to have to be tasting the skin of the orange, which is not very palatable. So there are some things that you cannot yoke together. And God uses the physical things, you know, a lot of times to explain um, the spiritual. Praise the Lord. And there's another um, graphic I would like us to see as well um, of the camel. Can you see these two animals together? 
how can they possibly, you know, work together? We know that a camel can, you know, go for several weeks, you know, in the, in the desert without water. But of course, a donkey can't, you know. So, um, and God expects us in all our relationships not to be yoked. And it's so serious that God has, you know, compared it with Christ and an idol. You know, it's not just a believer and an unbeliever. Righteousness and wickedness. Light and darkness. In so many areas, God doesn't want us to be yoked together. And the first area we're going to consider today is um, when it comes to friendship. Amos 3.3 says, do two people work together except they agree. Can two people work together without agreeing on the direction? It's not possible. Before you can work with somebody, you must have agreed on the direction. Otherwise, it's going to be a serious problem. 1 Corinthians 5, 9, 10, and 11. Can we have that? When I wrote to you before, I wrote to you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worship idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. Praise the Lord. There, 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 there are some people that God actually wants us to, to love from afar. Because if we say your, your friends should be strictly um, believers, then um, how do you win unbelievers over to, to Christ? But you know, there are some people that you can love from afar. fact that you are not friends with them actually does not mean you should um, not have a good... Not, you should not be on good terms with them. And um, um, a study by scientists revealed that not having a close friend or confidence is detrimental to one's health. As, let's fill in the gap, smoking or carrying extra weight. Can you imagine that? Not having... Um, a close friend or a confidence is det detrimental to one's health as smoking or carrying extra weight. Um, that's quite interesting. And I wrote here that um, when it comes to, sorry, I omitted that. When it comes to friendship, a man's need is different from, a woman's need is different from a man's need when it comes to, to friendship. You know, we women, we like to have let me not say, not necessarily best friends, you know, but sometimes close friends, you know, that you can sometimes just chat with, you know, sometimes you can just gist with them, you know, and um, enjoy um, fellowship together. Sometimes you are just there laughing away and having some good time together. But for, for the men, um, they like to have friends that they can, you know, talk soccer with, talk Arsenal with, you know, talk Chelsea with, play golf with, you know. So um, our needs are quite different. And I want to encourage you that as much as possible, ensure that people that you, you deal with closely in those areas are, are children of God. Amen. I want to share, I remember when um, we, we first relocated, 
to Indonesia. And it was a country of about 240 million people and 93% um, in Indonesia currently are Muslims. And so everywhere you go, you know, they are all Muslims, Muslims everywhere you go. I, you know, had been used to being surrounded by, you know, Christians, having Christian friends, you know, in the church. And um, even amongst my siblings, you know, we're all um, born again. So it was something, I was like, God, I need grace. Then the first time we would go to a church, it was um, a Nigerian lady that invited us, a Yoruba girl, a Yoruba lady that invited us. And we went to church. I've shared this story severally with um, First Touch because it's really, really um, blessed me. So the first time we got to church that Sunday after service, somebody approached me after service and said, um, she was a South African, a white South African. And she said, oh, you look new. Are you new in church? And I told her, yes, is this your first time? She said, oh, dear, you're going to need help, you know, finding your way around and things like that. Then if you need help, just call me. She didn't give me her number. I didn't even bother asking for her number because she was white. And I was like, ah, since when did white people start befriending black people? I hope this thing is really from the bottom of her heart. I just moved on. Please give me a foluke or a tinuke that will show me where to buy yam and uh, bread, um, yam and uh, all our ninja foodstuffs. That is what I need right now. So she went away. 30 seconds later, she came back with a piece of paper with her name and her phone number. I was like, ah. This girl really means um, business. So, so I collected it. I took it. I pocketed it. I said, thank you. Then during the week when I needed to find my way around some key places, where do I buy this? Where do I buy that? And then a number would come to me. And I'm like, ah. I mean, they just call it for Luke that will help you with this. So I would just pick my phone and just, you know, dial the Nigerian lady's number. But this lady did not relent. And she would send me an SMS to say, oh, I hope you are settling down really well. And then the next thing would be, the next week was, she was inviting me for um, a women's um, Bible study group. I was like, ah, this lady, let me rest now. I just uh, came back and um, I'd been very active in church as well. And I'm like, okay, let me just have a moment of, you know, rest. And But she would not have any of it. And I'm so glad, eventually, because she kept disturbing me, I went with her to the women's Bible study group, and I would say that that was the very best thing that happened to me in Indonesia. I have um, a graphic of, um, you know, and then we got so, so close. Can we have the picture of um, all of us together? And we got so close to the extent that we, we went on missions together, we would pray together. We would laugh together. There were times, there were many times that we cried together. Maybe crying is a woman's thing, you know. So there were many times that we would cry together and we can take it away. And even for the children, it was really, really good because those children were really sound spiritually and they helped my children because in an environment where, you know, in the classroom, maybe one or two of them, would be Christians and all others would be Muslims and it wasn't really encouraging for them to speak out their faith but they had people that they felt comfortable with sharing their faith together and eventually we started calling ourselves sisters even to people that were not church members and they were like okay somebody actually looked at us one day and said sisters 
I said, yes, we have the same father, but different mothers. And I'm like, okay, how? Praise the Lord. So that, um, that, that relationship really, really encouraged me. And I remember there was a time we went on, um, on a mission field together. I had never gone on a mission field. Maybe I would never have been able to go for one, but for her. And then we had um, um, orphanage trips together. Can we have the picture of that one as well? And she introduced me to the orphanage. And we did quite a number of things together, helping the less privileged children. Praise the Lord. Okay, so the next one we'll go to. So I'm going to ask you, who is your best friend? Who is advising you? Who is your confidant? Praise the Lord. All those things are very, very important in our relationship with God. Marriage. We're going to go to marriage. Samson and Delilah. You know, the story of Samson and Delilah is something that every time that I read that passage, and I'm like, uh-uh, Samson, oh, but this guy, this lady already did this to you. And I'm like, am I missing out something in the scripture? Then I will go back again and read it. Uh-uh. But she already tried to deceive you. She already tried to betray you. And, you know, but, you know, the scripture says in, in the book of Proverbs that, there are some things that you cannot really understand. It's the way of a man with a maid or a mistress. You really can't understand it. Praise the Lord. Um, Malachi 2, um, 15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your hearts. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Praise the Lord. So God wants godly union from our home, from our marriages. And um, let's read Malachi 2, 11 and 12. Judah has been unfaithful and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved. Marrying women who worship idols. May the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man. Who has done this? Wow. What the course. It says, may the Lord cut off from the nation of Israel every last man who has done this and yet brings an offering to the Lord of heaven's armies. There are some things that we'll do that would make, you know, that can make our offerings not acceptable to the Lord. May we not be found doing such in the name of Jesus. You know what, you know what I always say to um, singles who are dating unbelievers? I tell them, I, I, I say, you have different, different fathers. Your own father is God, Jesus Christ. This unbeliever's father is who? Is the devil. So when you guys marry, who becomes your father-in-law? The devil. And remember, when you marry, you can't stop your father-in-law from visiting you. He will visit. And when he visits, he will come with gifts, so... <laughs> Praise the Lord. What gifts can the devil bring that can be good? None. Nothing. Sickness, division, malice, fights, quarrels. So please, why, why choose the devil as your father-in-law? Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And then in our business relationships, I would like us to read Luke 5, 3 to 7. I was reading this particular scripture and it really blessed me. 
in our business relationship, sorry, I didn't put that down. It's not there, but you can write it down. Luke 5, 3 to 7. Can I have that up, please? Even in our business relationship, in people we partner with, that we do business with, we have to be, we have to be very, very careful and make sure that all those things are, you know, glorifying God. Praise God. And it says, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I will let down the nets again. Let's keep going. And this time the nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And then the next verse, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both, both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Praise the Lord. Peter had the boat. What's that business that you have? What's that career of yours that um, you are pursuing? Peter had the boat and he invited Jesus into that boat. And Jesus used that boat. And Jesus asked him, show him, Jesus gave him ideas, gave him tips. He grew so large. For example, you are just running a one-man business and the business has grown. Now you want to form partnership. What did, what did, what did Simon do? He called his partners. But Jesus was already seated in the boat. Praise the Lord. You think if um, Simon had called um, um, partners who were unbelievers, you think Jesus would remain in the boat? Praise the Lord. So our relationships, our, our business relationships matter a lot. They go along with Proverbs chapter 6 verses 27 and 28. Entering into serious and deep, you know, partnership with unbelievers is like, you know, um, having fire in our bosom. Can a man scoop a flame onto his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? Can he walk on hot coals and not blister his feet? I believe it's very, very important when we're in close partnership with anybody, we should be able to pray, you know. This, this, this um, contract we're pursuing, this line of business we want to go into, is God, um, how do you want us to do it? Praise the Lord. And we will always see the hand of God in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, First Corinthians 6 to 9, we're not going to read. Um, talks about a little, a little leaven, leavening the whole, you know, lump. You put a little yeast in the bread, and before you know it, it has spread around the, the, the flour. So you may be saying, ah, it, it's just, um, it's just, um, it's not a serious friendship, you know. He likes me. I just, he sends me SMS. I respond. It's not really a serious relationship. But you can't talk about Christ. You can't, you know, talk about what you learned in church. You can't invite him to church. So what's the point? Praise the Lord. Even in your businesses and even amongst your friends, there are some friends that you keep and when you leave their presence, you just feel demoralized. You know, you just feel so, so sad. And some, some friends, when you, when you are with them, you feel fired up. All fired up. Praise the Lord. Our children, when it comes to our children as well, we need to be deliberate 
about um, the kind of friendship we encourage our children to cultivate. It's really, really very important. My friends actually know me that my, before, before I accept a play date, I conduct an interview, I'm sorry. For example, um, you're inviting my daughter to come for a play date. Are you going to be there? Because if you're not going to be there, and then you leave the children with the, with the cook, with the um, houseboy or housemaid, or then what's the point of a play date? Are you going to be there? In fact, there was, there was one that was... I, I knew the lady, she's a Christian, you know, very serious Christian, and she invited Tani Toluwa for a play date. And I said, okay, on the way back from school, I'm going to drop Tani Toluwa at your place. And I knew she had a house help, but I didn't know it was a houseboy. So when we got to the place, I went inside. Usually, if I'm going to a place for the very first time, I've never been to the house, I must be there. You know, and I went inside, and I saw that, okay, um, it's a houseboy that this person has. It's not a house girl. I decided we're all doing the play dates together. So I sat down there. We did the play dates together for one hour, and then I took her back home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then even sleepovers. If if at all they are necessary. You want to ensure that the kind of people that your children go to um, have um, sleepovers at, that you share the same, the same values. They are Christians. They are, they are teaching your children the same thing that you are teaching your children. I remember that for my husband and I, it was a big problem when we were in Indonesia because they, were, they would always get invitation for sleepovers. And a lot of these people were Muslims. And we would say no every time. And at the time, my, my son said, why does it seem like we are overly spiritual in this house? <laughs> so, I said, so we said, this is our house. And you have to obey the rules. You are not going on a sleepover. You are not going on. But then when, when I met um, my friend, Marita, the South African lady, they had a sleepover for the first time ever at their place, and I was very comfortable, you know, praise the Lord, so you have to be very careful, if at all they should even have any sleepovers, praise the Lord, so all those things we have to be very, very careful about, um, I remember, um, I'm going to share something, something drastic that um, my husband did with um, our son then, I didn't take his permission to share this, but um, I have the Holy Spirit's permission, Praise the Lord. So, um, when he was in um, year six, back in, in Indonesia, the kind of school that um, they were attending was a school that, you know, a lot of spoiled children, and they would come to school with two phones, and the latest phones, Samsung, iPhone, and for a very long time, he asked for a phone, we said no. And then he did so well um, at his um, um, final exams in year six. So we said, okay, we're going to give you a gift. What do you want? And he said, oh, it's just an iPhone that will make him happy, blah, blah, blah. Ah, it was a tough decision. But we bought the iPhone anyway. And after a while, we noticed that he really got, he got addicted to the iPhone. And it was, becoming, it was becoming really bad. And it was beginning to affect his grades, sort of. And then we came back to Nigeria, he still had the, high, um, the iPhone. So what we'll do, my husband will collect it from him, maybe for two days or for one, we give it back to him. 
But anytime we gave him back the iPhone, it was like this addiction thing was still there. And you know, I wanted to say that the moment we bought him the iPhone, anyway, I collected the iPhone, set, set it up, you know, put, um, what do they call it, um, re- restriction on some things. And then I became a, mini, a monitoring spirit at night. <laughs> Anytime he went to bed, I would just get the phone because I had the password. You can't have a phone that I don't have the password. So I, I became a monitoring, monitoring spirit every night. And so I would check the phone. But then there was one day I checked the phone and I discovered that ah, this guy was on, he had WhatsApp, he had BB on the iPhone, he had Snapchat, all sorts of things that I didn't even no, it was part of about six or seven groups, you know, on the, on the phone. And then there was, there was this group that, and they were having this kind of conversation. And then somebody sent in a message into that group. I didn't like the content at all. Now, um, my son did not vehemently refute, you know, or, you know, he, he just overlooked it. And the conversation where I was like, no, 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 no. This is not going to get us anywhere. So I had to escalate the matter. And they, they, they know that once I decide to escalate the matter, they are in serious trouble. So what did my husband do? The following day, the poor boy was sleeping. I was feeling really bad, but I'm like, this guy needs this lesson. He was sleeping in the middle of the night. He just went to wake him up. And beat. What is this? He gave him a kind of beating that you tomorrow, the guy still talks about it. He said, Dad, you remember that time that you beat me? I will never forget. (laughs) And then um, the next thing my husband did, which was drastic, was he took that iPhone and together we have a lagoon. You know that for sure. An iPhone. Even me, I didn't have an iPhone then. So he took the iPhone and he drove him to the lagoon and he tossed the iPhone in the lagoon. And... That was the end of the iPhone. We thank God that he got back on track. And um, we thank God that we did that early until today. Um, the kind of phone he has is what they call the, what is the penkele whatever phone that <laughs> he really can't do anything with. But he's very happy with it. And he says, you know, Dad, I tell my friends that you threw, you actually tossed my iPhone into the, and I'm glad you did that. You know, eventually these children will realize that everything we are doing is for their own good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. They, they may not realize it now, but much later they would realize it. Praise the Lord. Um, social media online groups. Um, we were um, having the huddle, um, first touch. Huddle on Sunday, and somebody was saying, you know, that she's glad to be a part of the social, um, of the WhatsApp group. You know, that she gets constantly, you know, encouraged and things like that. So there are some social media, sorry, there are some groups that you need to delete yourself from. And there are some groups that you need to be a part of so that you get constant encouragement. And I want to thank God for the online church. I remember when we were in Indonesia, we were always part of the fast, the God will do it again services. And we, you know, we could go online, log in and be a part of the service. It was such, such a blessing. So there's no excuse actually. Praise the Lord. Now we look at an ex- example of a diminishing allegiance. The children of Israel, Lamentations 1.1. We all know that um, God told the Israelites that um, all the places that they were going to, they were supposed to destroy and annihilate completely all these other tribes, all these other cultures, but they refused to. 
And those people eventually became thorns, you know, in their flesh. Lamentations 1.1. Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once a great nation, she who was once great among the nation, now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she's now a slave. You know, the Israelites were... um, Eventually, because of disobedience and because of wrong allegiance, you know, they, um, they refused to annihilate completely all those other people. And they became a thorn in their flesh. They decided to worship their gods and they were marrying, you know, giving their sons in marriage and their daughters in marriage to all these people. Eventually, they started worshiping their idols. At the end of the day, they became enslaved by those who had been their own slaves. You know, God was um, so unpleased with them, and eventually they went into exile. Isaiah 52, 11 says, Depart, you will bear the vessels of the Lord. Depart, depart, come out from among them. Depart from evil. You know, come out, be, separate yourself from unbelievers. You know, because we, we bear the vessels of the Lord. Um, Pastor Nina was sharing last week about uh, we being the temple of the living God. And you know... Um, if you look at the Old Testament, God did not joke with his temple. Constantly sacrifices were being made, you know, on the temple on a regular basis. And even the people that approached the, um, inner, the, the, the innermost room, they had to be completely, you know, holy. Their garments had to be, and you know, there were stringent rules for them to adhere to if they were going to approach the presence of God. And um, sac- even, the, even the sacrifices, God wanted a perfect sacrifice, a perfect lamb. The, 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 the Muslims still do that. They were during their Ilaya or whatever. If there's something minor wrong with the, with the ram, they, they are not going to use it. If, you know, a part of the um, ear is out or something really, really, anything, any minor thing, they are not going to use it, you know. So I believe, of course, they... They, they got all those from um, God's um, conditions regarding sacrifices in the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. An example of an exalting allegiance. Jesus, Jesus with his disciples, Jesus with the 72, we can feel, feel in the gap now. Jesus with the 72, the 12, the 3, and the 1. You know, Jesus had the 72. He had the three, he had the one. Sorry, I missed out something on marriage. Can I have the um, graphics on marriage, please? Praise the Lord. It says, a man who is not after God's heart should not be after mine. If he's not after God's heart, he actually has no business being after your own heart. I remember um, somebody, um, a preacher saying that God created the Garden of Eden, and then he put Adam in that garden. Then he created Eve. Garden of Eden, you know, you can um, um, compare it with the presence of God. Because he said God was coming every evening, you know, to just, you know, chat, you know, um, have fellowship with with Adam every evening. So it was the presence of God. So Adam was already in God's presence and then Eve was created to come and join him in God's presence. Praise the Lord. 
Okay, so we're back to um, exalting allegiance. Jesus, let's read Luke um, chapter 10, verse 1. Sorry, it's not there, but you can write it down. Luke 10, 1. And then we'll read Luke 6, 12. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Praise the Lord. So, so Jesus had his 72 people and Jesus had his um, 12, Luke 6, 12. Jesus prayed all night before choosing. And that's another thing. We need to be um, deliberate about um, the kind of association we keep. Jesus, one, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. Can I have the next verse? Okay. And he prayed all night. So the next verse says that, and after that, he called the disciples to himself. Praise the Lord. There's, there, there, is, there is a longing in our hearts that only time alone with God's presence can satisfy. You know, sometimes you've, um, you don't have the time to pray in one day and then you feel okay and, and it seems like you are still fine you know from the previous day you know I had a good time um, I had a good quiet time I, I had a good encounter with God in my um, quiet time and then um, the second day maybe and then by the third day you, you're not yourself anymore you don't feel good anymore. You've not prayed. You've not read your, your Bible. See, that's, that's for us as Christians. How much more those who are not Christians. That's why you see those people that are really successful. They have a lot of money. They have everything. And then they, you know, find themselves in doing drugs and all those things. At the end of the day, um, that longing is still there. It has been put there by God. So, um, there's a longing in our heart that only Jesus can satisfy. So, who are your 72? Who are your 12? And who are your 3? Right. Praise the Lord. Um, number 4. Being alone with God is very crucial to our spiritual and even physical health. Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. We should follow this pattern. In Luke 5, 3 to 7, Simon, we read it already. Um, Simon Peter had Jesus in his boat, you know, and Jesus directed him. And then from there, he invited the partners. So he says, fill in the gap right now. Vertical, okay, I got that from Dr. Okionuzo on Sunday when he was saying that the vertical love should control the horizontal love. And it's the same thing in our relationships. The vertical relationship, we can actually put um, relationship as well. The vertical relationship controls all others. It is only the love of God that can compel faithfulness in, every, in any relationship. Praise the Lord. So like, like I always say that um, no matter how nice a man is, no matter how good you think he is, no matter how kind you think a man is, in marriage, it is only the love of God. It is only the fear of God that can make a man to, to be faithful to a woman. Praise the Lord. 
um, story of Daniel. Um, Daniel had his friends, you know, when he was having um, that problem, when the king, when King Neb said he was going to get it, he was going to have them all executed if they didn't tell him the dream. And he called his friends and they prayed with him. Daniel had his three. But there was a time that Daniel was in the lion's den alone. And that was his relationship with God. Praise the Lord. So we should not neglect our relationship with God. It should control all other relationships. And I tell you, if you let God control all other relationships, then everything will just fall into place. Romans 12, um, 2 says, do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, there's a saying that says, if you can't beat them, join them. Nigeria corruption is so pervasive, it's everywhere, and people keep saying, if you can, boy, uh, I don't believe that. You don't have to join them, because grace is more than sufficient. Amen. And then we're filling in the gap. If you're committed to Christ, you will be closely associated, you will not be closely associated with somebody who is not, irrespective of where you are or your position in life. You may say, oh, no, it's difficult. What if you become the president of the country and, you know, and you have all these bad guys all around you? God will always make a way. Daniel was, um, Daniel was high up there and he was, he was committed to Christ and he did not compromise. So if you are committed to Christ, you will not be closely associated with somebody who is not. Now, if you tell me that you are a serious Christian, you are, a very, you are telling me you are a serious Christian, and your best friend is a Muslim. I have, I have issues with that. I'm sorry. I have issues with that. You're a, you're a serious Christian and your best friend is a Muslim. So when you're together, what do you talk about? Do you pray together? Do you share, you know, um, scriptures together? Praise the Lord. Um, I really don't have time. There's um, something I wanted to share, but I don't have the time. If I have the time, I'll go back to it. Benefits of glorifying association. Daniel 2, 17 to 19. Benefits of glorifying association. There are a lot of benefits. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Zananiah, Mishael, and Azariah what had happened. He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. And then Daniel 3 is about, um, you know, the three of them in the fairy furnace. So there are a lot of benefits. Number one, a strong support system. For example, look at Daniel and his friends. They went through the fire together. And we have the strong support system in GFH. Praise God. We have the live groups. We have the women of worship subgroups. You know, we have the women of worship career career on fire for the Lord. Praise God. We have the women of worship. A lot of women of worship subgroups on fire, you know, um, for the Lord. So why are you not part of them? We have the soccer cell, you know, for the men. And um, the next one says constant encouragement. You get constant encouragement from people when you are down, you know, there's somebody there to hold your hand up to make sure that you make it together. I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven and I'm taking as many people as, uh, you know, as possible with me. You know, and that, that comes, you know, church activity groups. You know, um, we have the, the choir, you have First Touch, we have um, CMM. I'm, I'm, I'm super thankful for First Touch. 
I'm super, super thankful for them. A lot of them, you know, we are like um, sisters. And I always say it that usually you, you forge your closest um, associations or your deepest relationships in church. And, and, um, and I know it's not first touch alone. Choir, con- contagious joy. Sometimes when you sit there, you can feel it. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to be tempted. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, and I've heard about, you know, the contagious parting of the security guys. And um, praise the Lord, you know, a lot of departments, you know. So if you are actually not in any activity group and you are here this night, the fact that you are here this night shows that you are, you are serious about your relationship with God. You know, you've come for a midweek service. You are serious about your relationship with God. And I see no reason why you shouldn't be a part of an activity group in church. Because you are actually missing out, you know, on a lot of things. Galvanization of spiritual strength. You know, that reminds me of the door of strength that Pastor um, Kulio Lawale mentioned when he came to, to minister. Matthew 18, 20, 18 to 22. And, um, you know, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And when two, when two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst. Deuteronomy 32, 30 talks about one shall chase a thousand and two shall chase 2,000. Um, 10,000 rather. So, you know, even in our relationships, in our businesses, in um, courtship, you know, marriage, God wants us to chase 10,000. But the devil is going to try to do everything he possibly can to ensure that um, we don't chase the 10,000. It, it enhances spiritual growth. Proverbs 13.20, Hebrews 10.24. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. None of us will get into trouble in Jesus' name. Amen. Accountability. Now, accountability is, ne- is not, not necessarily for spiritual growth, but for you to overcome, you know, whatever battles that um, you're facing then when, when you know that you're accountable to somebody, um, it helps. It helps you to quickly come out of it. Mentoring and modeling. Titus 2, 3 to 5. Mentoring and modeling. Titus 2, 3 to 5. Even in our careers, you know, we don't have to restrict um, mentoring, discipline, just to our work with God. Even in our careers, there are, there are Christians that have gone before us. They've done these things. They've, they've succeeded in it, you know, with the help of God. And um, we can learn from them. Similarly, teach the other women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. Okay, I'll stop there. And it talks about the men as well, you know, the older men as well, teaching the men and all those. So mentoring, modeling is actually encouraged in church. And if, for example, you find yourself in an environment where there are no Christians, then, then you know what God is telling you is to start um, preaching, sharing, sharing the, the gospel with them and making disciples of all nations. Praise the Lord. Um, number seven, quick restoration. Galatians 6.1. I would like us to read that. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back 
in, onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So restoration is quicker, you know. And number eight, burden bearers. Verse 2, Galatians, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Praise the Lord. So we should be burden, we should be burden bearers. I'm going to ask us to quickly do something. I want, please, can I, can we all get up on our feet, please? Thank you. All of us on our feet. Thank you. Now, if you belong to a particular activity group in church, you have permission to sit down. Only those that belong to... Okay, now, please, turn to your... Those of you sitting down, find somebody to encourage. Ask them, why are you not serving? And you are in church um, on a Wednesday during the week. And look out for them. In fact, ask for their names. Look out for them anytime you see them. Thank you. Help to encourage them. They are here during the week. And so, it shows you are ready to go deeper in your relationship with God. You are, you are not just coming on Sunday and then you are coming during the week as well. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Let's put our hands together for them. I trust the Lord that the Holy Spirit will touch their hearts and they will join um, and stop being loafers in the house of God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, cons of diminishing allegiance. Um, I want to, and there's another thing I want us to do. Can you think of any particular relationship as I'm talking now, and I'm hoping that we all here are thinking of our relationships and we are gauging them, you know, against the word of God to ensure that all these relationships that we are in are actually glorifying God. And um, I want us to commit to God, to let God know that this particular relationship, um, since it's not glorifying you, if there's any kind of relationship like that, God, I'm going to dissociate myself from such. I just want us to think about it. Today's devotional, you know, very interesting, was talking about weeds, you know. So there are some kind of relationships, there are some friends you need to love from afar and weed them out of your life because they won't take you to your place of destiny. Praise the Lord. Um, cons of diminishing allegiance. In, a, in addition to the opposite of the above benefits, everything, you know, the disadvantages of diminishing allegiance and allegiance that make us, you know, would not make us grow, would not make us to be all that we have to be in Christ Jesus, would be all the opposite of the benefits I have listed above, and some more. Loss of, number one, says loss of rightful position. Lamentations 1-1. That was what happened to the Israelites. They lost their rightful position. Jer Jer Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she's now a slave. Praise the Lord. And I really want to thank God because, you know, you hear of depression in the Western world. This one is depressed and has, you know, committed suicide. This one is depressed and, you know, 
If somebody is depressed in Nigeria, just bring them to church. By the time they listen to the sermon, the depression will just fly away. You know, <laughs> praise the Lord. Thank God we, thank God we have that. So, um, it says loss of uh, rightful position. Partaking in the sinner's suffering. Revelations 18.4. I know there are times when, when sinners are really suffering and then the righteous just um, inevitably partake in it because, because they've been wrongly positioned. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you will be punished with her. Praise the Lord. Such cannot receive God's blessings. That's the one that says the part you will bear the verses of the Lord. And then incurring a curse. Um, 2 Kings 2, 23-25. I really like us to, to read that. 2 Kings 2, 23-25. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he as was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, Baldy, they chanted. Go away, Baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them. And he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then the two bears came out of the woods and mauled for the two of them. From there, Elisha went on to Mount Carmen and finally returned to Samaria. This is a scripture that rends my heart each time I read it. You know, a group of children, and there were 42 of them. I don't think it was all the 42 children that said, go away, Baldy, go away, Baldy. But because that particular child was amongst those unruly children, you know, and they, 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 they were actually mauled by the um, by the lions that came out from the, from the, you know, sometimes you just wonder, ah, God, why did you, why did you allow that? Why did you honor that? But you remember, um, you know, the teaching we heard, you know, saying, uh, when, you, when you become friends with God, God defers to you, you know. Sometimes you may feel, God, I don't understand. But thank God, the Bible says there are some things on this part of the world that we may never understand. We know in part and we prophesy in part. But when we get there, we'll fully understand. But please, I understand this part of these naughty children, you know. So we have to be deliberate about the kind of, you know, people we move with, even our children, the kind of people they, they associate with. Thriving in our God-ordained relationships. We need to pray for one another. You know, if um, you, you appreciate a, a particular friendship, you appreciate a, a particular relationship, even in marriage, even at work, you know, you need to pray for one another. I um, remember one of my, um, in the office, every Monday morning we pray together. And if for one reason or the other, I'm not there before 12, they would go ahead and pray. And then one of them was having a problem. Um, um, it was a case of murder and um, it was his brother. One of them's brother was having a problem. They were together. Her brother and two other friends, they were together and they were um, in the room. All of a sudden, the guy was carrying a bucket of water and the guy slumped and died. That was his brother's friend. Of course, they said um, the other two friends were complicit in the whole thing, being that they were the ones with him at the point of death. And so they were arrested, locked up, and things like that. So she would come to my office, she would cry, and then would pray together, I would pray with her. But I'm, I'm grateful to God that eventually 
the case was thrown out because when the um, autopsy came, they said, okay, um, they, they, they found the cause of the, of the death and eventually the, the case was thrown out. So she got to the office and was like, yeah, thank God I have a boss that can pray with me. Praise the Lord. So it's good to pray for one another and not take the relationship for granted. I, for one, I'm, I'm, I'm always very glad when somebody says, I'm praying for you. It is very, very comforting. When somebody is praying for you, then you know the person has got your back. You know the person is not going to backbite or gossip about you. You know the person is not going to wish you evil. Praise the Lord. But you know, I was saying that it's not in all instances that you tell somebody that you're praying for. Somebody is going to sit for an exam tomorrow and you had a dream that the person failed the exam and you now go ahead and I'm praying for you. I had this dream that you... No, 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 please. Don't completely demoralize the person. Don't, don't, don't give the person the F9 before the person even sits for the exams. Let us be guided by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then we need we to learn to forgive one another. Colossians 3.13. Be thankful and show appreciation. I'm very thankful for the gratitude challenge that Pastor actually made us to do. And I'm going to share something. My, myself and my siblings, we have a WhatsApp um, group. And so when Pastor said, okay, the gratitude challenge, I had never told any of my siblings I was thankful for them. So... I just wrote in a, you know, I typed it, I'm thankful for you, I'm thankful that I can call you my brother, I'm thankful that I can call you my sister. You know, uh, the chat room was silent for a while. This is unprecedented. You know that symbol on WhatsApp that your, your, your face or your eyes will go like this? I, I can just imagine that. That was how their faces were. You know, and they responded and they were quite happy to hear that. And, you know, so the gratitude just started flowing. Praise the Lord. Um, openness. Proverbs 27, 5 says, Open rebuke is better than hidden love. If you love somebody, you, you appreciate the person. And if you appreciate the relationship, then you should be open enough to be able to tell one another the truth, you know, and not um, pose. You know, women sometimes like to pose. Somebody was even telling me recently of some things that some women do right now on Facebook. They will go to a store, maybe in the U.S. or in the U.K., um, carry a Ferragamo bag, wear some designer shoes, take pictures with it, and post it on Facebook. And you will think they actually bought it and it is theirs. Vanity upon vanity. And somebody was sharing an experience with me of um, a woman that posted something on the Facebook that a husband bought for for her, it was an extravagant gift. Really, really extravagant. And she posted it on Facebook. I can't even remember what the gift was. Maybe it was a set of gold or maybe it was even a nice cow. Something I can't remember. And then everybody, you know, a lot of our friends are just saying, oh, wow, I envy you. Oh, wow, that is the kind of husband I will marry. Oh, wow. They were saying all sorts of things. And the person that told me the story said, I know this lady, what happened was he had a, she had a quarrel with her husband and the husband beat her black and blue. Beat her that she was almost unconscious. And so to pacify her, to make her happy, he bought her all those things. She posted on Facebook. Nobody has seen, she will not tell you the bad side of it. Only the good side. And people are already prophesying and receiving. Please be careful what you receive. Oh. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Number six, gossip destroys relationships. 
In GFH, we say um, we have zero tolerance for gossip. Treat others with respect. You know, you can't say because I'm in a mentoring relationship with this person or this person is a... Um, we go to the same church. We are both Christians. They said um, love is patient and kind. Even if we, um, we, we have agreed to meet at 2 p.m. and I don't get there until 4 p.m., the person will understand African time. African time just shows that you don't have respect for the other person's time. Or you feel, sometimes I feel African time is pride. Or you feel your own time is much more important. You know, somebody was in our house one day, an artisan that came to work, and I think it was the boss that was calling him. Where are you? Ah, I'm on the way. I'm almost there. Ah, ah. And you are here doing, working, and you are telling your boss that you're on the way. You're almost there. God have mercy. So please, we shouldn't treat, we shouldn't take our relationships for granted. Treat it with respect. In closing, I can sum, sum this all up with pastor's quotes. You are the average of the three people you spend most of your time with never stop seeking to be the audience of the one that controls all praise the lord um i'm sorry <laughs> um time our time is uh, fast spent but um i'll give a few minutes for questions are there any questions Questions? Mr. Adelaide, you have a question. Any questions? Okay, we are good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, commitment. Lord, I commit to honor you in all my relationships. Um, let's, let's read it together. It's on the screen. Lord, I commit to honor you in all my relationships. May you be glorified at all times in my thoughts, my speech, and my acts. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And before I go, um, I would like to say something that we're talking about um, um, association and we are talking about the vertical relationship controlling all other relationships and um, with our eyes um, closed if you are here today you don't have a relationship with the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings how will God lead you to that relationship that will help you to fulfill your destiny if you are here today you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus can I see your hand you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you would like Jesus to um, become your Lord and Savior, to become your number one. You're all in all today. Can I see your hand? Praise the Lord. And so mighty Father, we thank you for your word. We give you all the praise. Lord, we thank you for every of our friendship, every of our association. In the name of Jesus, they will continue to glorify you. And Lord, we pray that the ones that will not glorify you help us to dissociate ourselves from such relationships in the name of Jesus. Lord, grant us discernment because you know the hearts of man. And help us to discern and let your name be glorified. 
And above all else, let us always seek to play for the audience of one, the one and the only God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh. 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 Oh.